Welcome to Bartel Radio. I'm Cass Enright. In our last episode, we listened in on Goose Island's Black Friday event, where they take beer lovers through a Tudor tasting of the year's Bourbon County brand stout release. It takes place at their brew pub, located at 1800 North Clybourne in Chicago. The brew pub, open since May 1988, is home to a lineup of beers from Goose's production brewery, along with specialties that are exclusively brewed on site. The brew pub frequently gives tours, which include a visit to the brew house, along with a tasting of a series of beers available on the day. During my visit on Black Friday, I was invited back for the brew pub tour and tasting, and recorded that live for this episode. Let's give it a listen, and afterwards I'll come back to go through some of the can't-miss spots for Chicago Beer Trip. Welcome, happy Saturday, thanks for coming. Welcome to Goose Island Clybourne. My name is Brad. I I work here at Goose Clybourne. I've had some involvement with Goose uh, on and off for the last five years. I've uh, helped start a catering program down the Millennium Park, opened a beer garden down there. Had a brewer's assistantship at our production facility, our Fulton Fulton Brewery. Uh, I've done a ton of marketing events, and uh, now I handle a lot of the public and private tours. Addition to that, I'm a home brewer and a certified Cicerone. So if you have any questions that fit under the vague umbrella of beer, whether they're Goose Island related or not, feel free. Um, I had the, the privilege and the, uh, the duty of drinking a gratuitous amount of Bourbon County yesterday. So the clarity of my thoughts, I will try and have them move as fluidly as possible, but if I fall off track, just kind of wave me down or something. Um, and I also, Sat through five presentations. Granted, we were drinking Bourbon County all day, so you know it could have been a lot worse. But uh, realize what it's like to sit on your end and listen to someone talk for an hour. So uh, we won't be down here for an hour, by the way. <laughs> Don't worry. There's plenty of beer at the end of this tour. Uh, we're going to try six beers that we brewed here. But I'll try and break it up. I'm not very funny, but I'll try and throw a joke in there once in a while. But uh, the, the best tours, in my opinion, are those like can impress anything upon you, or those that are filled with questions. So. Don't be embarrassed. Milton here is going to judge you. Uh, so let's just get into it. I, I, I don't like to talk too much about the brewing process. It's really dry. It's pretty boring. Most people uh, either see angst and, uh, and anger in their eyes or are tears of boredom. So let's just establish a foundation, uh, a baseline, if you will, of, of the brewing process, and then we'll move on. We'll talk about what we do here and, and beyond. Uh, so hear me. There are four major ingredients in beer. What are they? Water. Water, yes. Hops. 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 I heard yeast. And what? Barley. More specific than barley. Barley. Someone say malt? Yeah. All right. Sounded like it. Cool. All right. Good job. Water, malt, hops, and yeast. For the sake of our conversation today. Water. Arguably the most important ingredient in beer. Why? Well, uh, you use a ton of it for a few reasons. It makes up a pretty gratuitous amount of your beer. Between 92 and 95%, give or take. Uh, and for every gallon of beer that you drink in one sitting or not, it can take upwards of three to five gallons of water to make that beer. A lot of that having to do with sanitation, uh, some of it having to do with runoff, evaporation, waste, spillage, uh, mysterious loss of beer in other ways, shape, and form. But uh, point being, everyone is left to use their municipal source. No one's tanking in Evian, at least not to my knowledge. Uh, we use water from good old Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan happens to be exceptional brewing water, comparatively to other natural sources. I come from the uh, exotic land of 
of Southern California. And whatever water is left there to begin with is pretty hard water. Uh, you will have to adjust the water, so to speak. Get the pH and the water chemistry to be more suitable for brewing. While there is a little bit of water adjustment, or water chemistry adjustment that happens here in, in Chicagoland as a whole amongst breweries, for the sake of our operation, we don't really do much of any adjusting at all. Most beers, we fill up our 10 barrel kettle the night before, we boil water overnight, and then we bring it over here into our brew house to begin brewing. Uh, the first step is to incorporate your water with your malts, specifically malted barley in all its different forms. Lightly kiln, heavily roasted, caramelized, and all your different specialty uh, varietals of malts. Um, of course, you can incorporate other things in besides malted barley. We've had wheat beers, rye beers. We're going to try a rye beer today. We also have an oatmeal stout, ironically enough. Um, but those grains are almost never going to make up more than 50% of your beer, usually a lot less than that. Wheat being the one exception can make up like 30 to 60%. Uh, barley has a lot of diastatic power. Those enzymes naturally found in your malt that help break down starches into simpler sugars. I told you it was going to get boring to tears. Bear with me. That's important because if you didn't have diastatic power in your malt, you'd be left with a very cloudy, starchy liquid which won't ferment out. Yeast likes to eat simpler sugars, not complex carbohydrates, which is what starches are. Then you would just be having a, a cloudy, kind of malty liquid, which is really not that much fun to drink and even less fun to talk about. So, uh, we create this porridge consistency called the mash. Just all the malt lightly cracked open. It sits at about 152 degrees. Then 60 to 90 minutes later, we're gonna begin the lottery process, separating out that sweet, delicious liquid from the spent grain. That liquid is the precursor to beer. It's called wort. You can think of wort to beer as grape juices to wine. It's a precursor to the beverage, tons of sugar, but no uh, alcohol yet. Then the next step, which by the way would be totally sacrilegious if you ever did to wine or cider, we're going to boil the wort. We're gonna boil it for uh, about 60 to 90 minutes. Not a hard and fast rule, but at least 60 minutes. That uh, allows us to yet again sanitize that liquid. So we're starting with a clean slate, not inviting in any other bacteria. Uh, it's going to allow the proteins to coagulate and drop out so we have cleaner, clearer beer. And it's also an opportunity for us to incorporate in, no, I forgot to pass out the malt, so I circle that around. It's an, it's an opportunity for us to incorporate in our third ingredient, hops. Hops are these cone-like flowers, they grow in vines. Uh, there are three major growing regions of the world with a ton of minor growing regions popping up everywhere. But the three majors tend to be uh, Pacific Northwest of the States, Southern England, and the sort of central going on eastern portion of Europe, uh, which starts with definitely Germany and the Czech Republic, parts of the Balkans, and onward. Um, these are dried hop cones. They're typically pelletized for a lot of commercial brewing. Uh, and if you smell these, they don't really smell like much except some dried figs and plant matter. But uh, as long as you keep it over the glass, try not to make too much of a mess, work one of these in between your fingers and you're gonna get this sort of palm-like sticky oil on your fingers. That's what we're after. Those are the bottle oils that make beers taste hoppy the way they are. Smell it. They smell delicious. Uh, we're going to add hops in over periodic uh, portions of the, of the boil for 60 to 90 minutes. After that, we're going to cool it off, transfer to a fermentation tank, and if it is the age-old question, lager or an ale, what are they? And by the way, a stout is not a magical third category. It's in most cases, an ale. If you, the, the bottom line is if you use an ale yeast, it's an ale. If you use a lager yeast, it's a lager. But aside from that, how do you tell them apart? Lager yeasts like to work in much cooler environments. They work much slower, but more efficiently. 
Lager is fermented in the 40 to 55 degree range and it takes about six to eight weeks to make one. Ales, on the other hand, they're more fast and loose, kind of reckless. They, uh, they ferment in the 60 to 75 degree range and it's gonna take about two to three weeks to make. That being said, considering uh, this is an issue of real estate here, we make mostly ales. We make a few lagers, we're gonna try one on our tour today. We have a few others on our menu, but most of the beers that we're gonna to try today and are what are on our menu are ales. So amongst all that jargon, it's the driest point of the tour, I promise. Yeah. At, the, at the end of the day, all we really did was we made a multi-sweet liquid, we boiled it with hops, we cooled it off, added yeast, that's beer. The main difference between what we do here and say a five gallon batch at a home brewer level, or say at our Fulton Street facility, which is on a 50 barrel batch, is the equipment that they have to accommodate the volume of liquid. We make a lot of other arguments, but that's, that's one of the major differences. Aside from the fact that when you're home brewing, you're just brewing for yourself and it doesn't matter, and if you uh, mess up something at Fulton Street, you're toast. Uh, but we, uh, we continue to do things here at Goose Island Clybourne the way that we have since we opened our doors here in May of 88. We take like five steps in a little bit. It feels so formal here. Alright. So, John Hall, founder of this company, owner of the brew pub, opened his doors here in May of 88. Wanted to bring exceptional beer, local beer, back to Chicago, but notably British styles of beer. So Goose Island is really built on a foundation of British styles of beer. Some of these logos that you see on the tanks, well, that's not the beer that is actually in those tanks anymore. They're just up there for funsies. Those are some of our original core brands. Nut Brown Ale, Oatmeal Stout, the Honkers Ale, the IPA. Some of those we brew, some of them we don't. Um, those are all British at heart. We brew here in a 10-barrel batch, a little over 300 gallons. We brew about 55 to 60 styles of beer a year. We brew enough beer to release at least one new beer a week. So if you'd like to come by here on Wednesday nights, we do our Wednesday beer premiere. We'll offer a sample of whatever we're debuting. Toast, hope to stick around for a pint or two. Uh, but that's where you're always gonna find our new beers. And that could honestly be anything. It could be our oatmeal stout, it could be a holiday beer, it could be a barrel-aged beer, it could be a Pilsner, it could be our Farmer's Market series. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Farmer's Market series. <laughs> Something that was started uh, one brewmaster, two brewmasters ago. Um, the idea of going to a local farmer's market, specifically ours in South Lincoln Park, the Green City Farmer's Market. Any of you not from Chicago, by the way? Yeah? Cool. Uh, if you are not, please come back in May, or anytime May to October. One of the best farmer's market in the Chicagoland area. A ton of great vendors. Uh, we'll go and pick out one to two ingredients from a single farm and infuse it into a single keg of beer that we have on hand. Anything that you see on the menu could be a contender. We take those ingredients, stick them in a hop sock, we do a cold infusion in that keg, and then we pull it out, and we carve it again, and we'll put it on draft typically on Mondays, and they're usually gone by Tuesdays or Wednesdays. It can be anything under the sun. Peaches, honey, raspberries. We've also sort of um, veered off the, uh, the traditional ingredients list and, and done things like a sweet pea beer, a carrot beer, a truffle beer. The last beer that we did this year was an Imperial Pilsner infused with tomatoes and ancho chilies called the Beer Back. Little nod to our uh, our neighbors to the north. We like to incorporate yet another beverage with a Bloody Mary. Always exceptional. Uh, and if you look at our menu, by the way, we, we boast a pretty full variety of styles of beer. Get that out of the way. We always have.
plenty of hoppy offerings. We've always got some more sessionable beers, some more malt forward beers, some more roast forward beers like our, our oatmeal stout. Uh, we more and more have barrel aged beers offered at our, at our pub on a daily or weekly basis. Uh, and we have plenty of Belgian inspired beers, beers that utilize a Belgian strain of yeast and essentially can make your beer taste like it's got dried fruit or nuts or spices or honey in it, when in fact we didn't incorporate any of those ingredients into the beer. We're gonna try a little bit of everything on our tasting today, uh, including a sour beer, which I'm extremely excited to see all of your reactions. Uh, I'm not trying that. <laughs> I, I do wanna talk about the barrel aged uh, beer process and, and kind of how it ties into Goose Island, but just wanted to open up if anyone has any questions at this point. If I missed anything, uh, saying that I realized I've missed a couple of things. Yes? I have a question. So, um, like some beers are described as hoppy, but you use hops in all beers. So, like, what makes it a beer that you want to describe as, like, hoppy? That's a good question. Uh, so, the question was, Hops, and, and I didn't really mention that, but that's a good point. Hops are in just about every single beer that you have, whether it's an American adjunct lager, or an Imperial IPA, or an Imperial Stout, or, or frankly, anything on that spectrum. Yet, what makes a beer hoppier than others? There is somewhat of a threshold, and there are other t uh, techniques to bring out hop flavor and aroma, rather than just bitterness. Uh, and while there are some beers on our menu, like unfortunately we, we just had a, we had a great German Pilsner called the Autobahn. It was really hoppy for the style, but it wasn't on the hoppy section, it was on the sessionable section. Um, and there really isn't any regulating body that is, uh, you know, like ATF and the TTB that's regulating alcohol. No one's coming by and like, this beer is not hoppy enough to be called an IPA. Uh, but the general rule of thumb is there are particular styles that are known for having more hop aromatics or flavor or bitterness. And there are some general guidelines like the Beer Judgment Certification Program that sort of talks about where beer should be if you want to brew to style. Um, and frankly, just the human threshold. It, it, from, from what I remember, the, uh, the human threshold is about six IBUs of hops and we can taste approximately like five to six IBU increments. Um, and above over 15 to 20 IBUs, depending on the beer, it starts to taste really prevalent. Um, regardless of the style, if you're getting into the 30, 40, 50, 60 IBU range, IBUs are international bittering units. It's a, a unit of measurement to, to measure bitterness in beers. You, you really start to taste it. Um, but there's not really a clear answer. It, it's, it's somewhat discretionary. Uh, any other questions? I, I realize I didn't miss a couple things. In case you didn't notice, we are not on an island, we're surrounded by a body of water. This is not Goose Island. Uh, Goose Island is real, it exists, it's in the Chicago River, kind of that way. Um, and it's mostly PMD, it's plant manufacturing uh, development. So that means it's, it's pretty much just industrial space on the island, there's no residential space, there's very limited uh, office space, not a lot of retail. Um, we just borrowed the name because it was geographically relevant. That's pretty sweet. Uh, we also brand ourselves with the Chicago flag from time to time. There's one there, one on the door, one hanging out behind the tanks. Of course, one minor alteration. We swapped out that third star for a goose head. We are definitely not the uh, the only company or brewery for that matter to brand ourselves with the Chicago flag, but uh, John Hall and, and Goose Island as a whole, all of us are really proud to be a Chicago brewery and, and this facility being Chicago's oldest functioning brewery. Um, all right, so the last thing I wanna talk about real quick, the barrels, and then we will we will go up and drink some more beer. Transition over here, break up the knot. All right. 
let's let's make a small digression here. Bourbon, delicious, no question about it. Uh, and something that's fairly unique to the states, although uh, and for a long time was almost exclusive to Kentucky. Uh, not so much the case. Barrel aged spirits are not so much the case. But what makes bourbon really unique amongst all the other spirits, that are, even those that are barrel aged? And there's a long list: tequila, rum, cognac, and armagnac, or any kind of brandy for that matter, uh, Scotch, Irish whiskey, etc. The list goes on. What makes bourbon unique is that to make bourbon, you have to use a brand new oak barrel constructed out of American oak, which is different than like French limousine oak or Hungarian oak, and it's charred on the inside. You have to age your whiskey for a minimum of two years, and all the way up to as long as you want. The industry kind of caps out around 23, 25 years. There are a couple ones that are uh, absurdly overaged. At that point, it's really not going to make a whole lot of difference. But after you empty the spirit out of that barrel, you can't reuse that barrel to make bourbon whiskey. You can resell that barrel and sell it to just about anyone else. And all those industries that I listed use bourbon barrels. The Scotch industry and uh, closely following up the Irish whiskey industry are the biggest uh, purveyors of these secondhand barrels. They'll buy the barrels, knock them apart, uh, sand them down, refire them. Uh, to rechar the inside and then construct them back together and, and reuse them. But it still leaves, even though bourbon barrels are becoming harder and harder to get, especially the older barrels, there's still a lot of barrels comparatively. It's a lot harder to get a scotch barrel or even a wine barrel that those industries will reuse um, those wooden vessels. So Greg Hall, son of John Hall, uh, he was the brewmaster here and then Fulton Street combined for just a little over two decades. He had this idea around 1992 of acquiring some of these bourbon barrels and making a big imperial stout that back then I believe clocked in at around 11, 11.5% and aging it for 100 days. Kind of a novel concept. No commercial brewery had done this The reviews coming in initially were, were mixed. Some people loved it. Some people were like, whoa, did you actually put bourbon in this beer? Uh, not the case today. Goose Island has one of the biggest bourbon beer bourbon barrel facilities and programs in the country, a little over 3,000 casks, aside from a separate wine barrel program that's over 3,000 casks. Uh, we're constantly updating and improving our process. We use mostly Elijah Craig barrels, some 12 year barrels, but we've incorporated in plenty of Knob Creek barrels, some wild turkey barrels, and uh, Buffalo Trace barrels. And we're always tinkering with other barrels. We've got some Templeton rye barrels, some Rittenhouse rye barrels, uh, the list goes on. What we do here at, at uh, Clybourne is really a splash in the bucket comparatively. Um, what you see is pretty much what we've got. We have a few other barrels elsewhere. Um, but you know, a, a four barrel batch of these beers is a, is a notable amount of work compared to the 3,000 barrels even still that, that uh, Goose Island and Colton is doing. We now, the Goose Island, the parameters have changed a little bit. The beers are a little bit more robust each year. It typically falls between 13.5 and 15%. Uh, we age it for between 8 to 13 months. We make a ton of different varietals. Uh, any of you that are fans or want to indulge, we've got some 2014 on draft today. So uh, treat yourself. It's Saturday. I don't think you really need a better reason than that. <laughs> um, stay tuned. We always release a ton of beers. If you ever want to know what we're debuting or, or putting on draft, follow our Twitter handle, Facebook page. Any other questions?
Highway 290 is known as the Eisenhower Express. Uh, this is a rye IPA. Although most India Pale Ales tend to be a bit higher in alcohol, this is uh, kind of dipping into the session uh, category. It's 4.9%. Uh, it does have a portion of rye malt in the beer, and we hop this beer specifically with two varietals of American hops, Chinook and Centennial, that tend to lean a little bit more on the piney end of the spectrum. American hops tend to be a little bit citrusy or more pine-like and resinous. Uh, so again, Rise and Hour Express, Rye IPA, 4.9%. Enjoy. This last one, which is uh, my new favorite this week, this is the Damon Silos. Uh, this is a classic English-inspired oatmeal stout. Uh, 5%, very creamy up front, a nice clean, dry finish, uh, but as much roast as there is, should kind of taste a little bit fruity as well from that great English yeast strain. Uh, thank you for coming. Happy Saturday, everybody. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Goose Island is one of the most recognizable and successful brewers in the United States. Founded by John Hall in 1988, the brewery has received numerous accolades over the years and has created an extensive barrel aging program, one of the largest in the U.S. In 2011, Goose Island was acquired by Anheuser-Busch, much to the concern of craft beer drinkers. However, as evidenced by the massive national enthusiasm for Bourbon County brand stout and continued local embrace by Chicagoans, the acquisition is proving that what's in the glass matters the most. John Hall, founder of Goose Island, is still the owner of the Brewpub on North Clybourne. Chicago is a wonderful beer destination, with a diverse range of bars and restaurants across its many interesting neighborhoods. Chicago is an approximate eight-hour drive from Toronto, border depending, or accessible by air easily from Pearson and Billy Bishop to Chicago's two airports, making it a great place to visit from the GTA. When in Chicago, Goose Island is of course a worthwhile destination, and while in the neighborhood, the notable beer bar local option is only a few minutes away on West Webster. Goose Island used to have a second brew pub in Wrigleyville, but unfortunately it closed in the summer of 2014. However, Goose Island is planning on opening up a tap room at their production brewery on Fulton Street in the future. Within the downtown loop area, there are a number of good beer spots to check out, including the Clark Street Ale House, the surprisingly good hotel beer bar State and Lake, the outstanding Mexican cuisine destination Frontera Grill, and a Chicago outpost of the popular Italian food emporium, Italy, featuring a number of their own house-brewed beers. Other neighborhoods to check out include Wicker Park and Bucktown, a lively nightlife area where you can find the raucous beer and taco restaurant, Big Star, Thin Crust Pizza Brew Pub, Peace, and nearby, Jerry Sandwiches and Bangers and Lace, both great destinations for beer and their food specialties, namely sandwiches and scrumptiously topped hot dogs. The Map Room, a legendarily good beer bar, is also close by. The West Loop area, an emerging neighborhood in an old meatpacking district, features the high-end restaurant Publican, Brew Pub Haymarket, Solid Beer Bar Lone Wolf, Barbecue Restaurant Green Street Smoked Meats, and the very notable Girl in the Goat and Casual Offshoot Little Goat Diner, all with excellent and diverse beer lineups. Venturing a bit farther away from the downtown area could take you to the Half Acre Tap Room, a lively bar attached to their brewery located in North Lincoln. And while you're in the area, visit nearby pubs Bad Apple and Fountainhead. Also worth checking out is the Belgian-themed Hopleaf located on North Clark, Revolution Brewing in Logan Square, the Burger, Metal, and Beer Bar Kuma's Corner with two locations, or Maria's Packaged Goods and Community Bar located south of the Loop in Bridgeport. There are dozens of great beer destinations in Chicago, 
with new bars and breweries opening up all the time. Check out the local beer guide section of the Bar Towels discussion forum, where a thread on the Chicago beer scene is maintained. So next time in Chicago, put on your pub crawling shoes, load up a transit pass, and explore. You won't be disappointed.